you know, I'm grateful for it. Girl, you got your preaching pants on today. This is going to be good. This is going to be so good. Oh my gosh. I pray so hard that it will be because I'm like, please let this not be about me and let it just be God speaking through me because if it's me, it's going to suck. But if it's God, it's going to be awesome. Classic Classic story of my life. Yeah. If it's about me, it's just going to suck. Right. You're listening to Lead Him to Life, where it's our prerogative to explore what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. We have far more questions than answers, but believe that extraordinary answers can be found in the ordinariness of a journey. I'm your host, Emily Leadham. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of Leadem to Life. I Happy Easter. If you're listening to this, this is coming out in the first week of Easter. I hope you had a blessed, blessed Triduum, a blessed Holy Week, and are now into the joys of Easter. And I'm so excited about the conversation that we're going to have today with my new friend, Jessica. I'll have her introduce herself in just a second. Um, but because we really want to talk about what it means to have this abundant life, to have a thriving life what it means to be a thriving Catholic, a thriving Christian, um, and what better time to kind of address some of these things than in this new Easter season when we're reminded of Jesus's promise and why he came and what he's about for us. So Jessica, my new friend, Jessica Castillo, did I say it right? Castillo. Yes, welcome to welcome to life. Okay. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little about who you are. Okay, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, My name is Jessica Castillo. I am a West Point grad and a former Army officer, and I am also an adult convert to Catholicism. So I came into the church in Easter of 2010 through RCA here, and um, we are a military family still, so we're stationed in Schofield Barracks, Hawaii now. And what interestingly enough, we I went through RCIA here when I was a young lieutenant, and now my husband and I are co-teaching the RCIA class here. So it's kind of come seriously. Full yeah, oh, that's seriously. Awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, happy anniversary of of joining the church. Thank you. We're so glad you're here. I'm so um, glad I'm here too. It's amazing. <laughs> So my awesome sister-in-law, Kristen, connected us, um, my, Matt's sister, Kristen. Uh, and when she messaged me, she was like, I just think that you would love this, this friend of mine. Her name is Jessica. Here's kind of what she's about. And I was like, this is what I'm about. This, this girl sounds awesome. I just can't wait to meet her. So, okay. Maybe Jessica has a place to get started. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your your story, your your journey, particularly related to mental health and wellness? Because we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot in this episode just about um, what it means to flourish and to thrive. Um, and and I know this is such a huge part of your story. So could you start with start with that? Yeah. So I probably became interested in what makes for a good life. Like, what's a happy life? What's a thriving life? probably when I was 13 years old, like as long as I can really remember, that's when I first started getting into like, okay, I'm going to develop an exercise routine for myself. I'm going to like, my family was completely secular. We never went to church, but we had one of those like copies of the new Gideon's new Testament that you get at like (laughs) prisons or hotel rooms. You know, we had one of those in our house. And so I started reading a chapter from the New Testament every morning and every night. And I remember I started kneeling next to my bed and praying the Lord's prayer that was in that 
little copy of the New Testament. So I felt from a really young age, God calling me to himself. Seriously. And, and I was always combining that with my desire to live this fulfilling life. Like what is the good life and how do you have it? And I combined that with, I knew I felt better when I was physically active when I was exercising. So for me, those things always kind of went together. Mm -hmm. And so I guess fast forward many, many years later, um, when I was going through RCAA and coming into the Catholic church, I was still really interested in that integration of like healthy body, healthy mind with love of God, with spirituality. And so after my second deployment in Iraq, I decided that I was going to get out of the army and that was what I was going to do. I was going to integrate these things. And so I started a degree program in holistic counseling. And I was like, this is going to be so good because I'm going to combine all of these passions. I'm going to help people live healthier lives, you know, with their love of Jesus. It's going to be great. But that wasn't actually what that program was like at all. And I started to find really quickly that um, what you find a lot of is a lot of new ageism. When you think about, you know, kind of incorporating spirituality with health, with healthy living, it doesn't really, there didn't seem to be a lot of integration with Catholicism. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess that wasn't it. I'm going to now just focus on being a mom. So I, you know, we started our family. We have three beautiful kids now. And I was trying to do what I thought like God wanted me to do. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to do all the things. I'm going to be this like cookie cutter Catholic wife and mom, because that's what I thought God was calling me to. And, um, after probably I would say, so I was, I had been Catholic for about seven years at this point, and it was about a year after the birth of my third child. I just hit this wall where I just didn't want to do it anymore. I felt like my whole life was complete drudgery. I felt both overwhelmed and bored at the same time every day. I felt like um, I was trapped in this life that I didn't want to be living, and I felt really like duped by God. I was like, Hey, where is this joyful and abundant life that you promised me? I'm doing all the things. Like I've been faithful and open to life. I'm like volunteering at the parish. I'm doing all the things. I'm keeping this house clean. Isn't that what my vocation is? Isn't that what you told me to do? And I was miserable. I was so unhappy. And, um, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas said that man cannot live without joy. Therefore, when he is deprived of true spiritual joys, it's necessary that he become addicted to carnal pleasures. And that's what happened to me. Like, it's totally what happened to me. I felt like I was trying to live this joyless existence. And I was like, I couldn't see the point anymore of trying that hard. And so even though I knew what makes for a healthy body and a healthy mind. I didn't care. I was like, why bother? Because this life is just drudgery and I'm trapped in it. And so I started drinking heavily. I started eating terribly. I stopped exercising. I started staying up really late, binge watching terrible TV. And I just, and I wasn't praying at all. Like I was avoiding prayer because I was angry with God. I felt tricked, which isn't the truth, but that's how I was. That's how you felt. Yeah. Yeah. So what, I mean, when did you kind of hit a point where 
were you aware of that the whole time that you were in it? Or did you hit a point where you were like, man, something's really not right here that needs to shift. What was the thing that kind of brought you out of that? Um, and, and that brought clarity to it. Um, well, I was, I was really fortunate to have a really good friend just tell me very bluntly that I was dealing with depression because up to that point, I didn't recognize that that's what it was. I just thought my husband's the problem. My kids are the problem. Like my house is the problem. Everything's everything else. Everything else is the problem. And when she said, well, this is depression. I was like, Oh, okay. So once you know what you're up against, then you can totally deal with it. Right. Or this is what I was thinking. Um, and you know, so like the former army officer in me was like, I just need a strategy. Okay. So depression is a chemical imbalance in the brain. All I need to do is fix the chemicals in my brain. And then this is better. So what do I need to do? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's like, I was like, how hard could it be? So I, (laughs) so I basically kind of turned back to things that I had always known. Like I already knew like the benefits of, you know, sleeping and eating well and exercising, but basically I preached it from this whole angle of like, what do I need to do in the shortest amount of time to get my brain from crazy to feeling better as quickly as I can. And that's when I started really kind of digging more into the literature on some of the habits that I was developing. Like, what does this do for your brain? What are like the scientific reasons I should do these things that are going to help me to feel better? And so I use that as kind of motivation to keep me going. So just start stepping out in faith and knowing that if I did these things one thing at a time, that it would snowball and I would gradually be feeling a lot better, at least physically. Right. You know, and I'm, as you're, as you're talking about just your experience, you know, obviously I think, uh, there's probably a lot of women listening that would resonate with this, but men too, that I think, uh, maybe it's not that they're, there's, I don't know, like just that they feel like they're in a rut or can feel like I just am not enjoying fatherhood or marriage or my job or whatever it is right in the way that I desire to be and in the way that's going to allow me to show up for my for my family so I think it's you know from your perspective as a woman but also I can see so many men coming up against these things as well and really needing to address you're just a supernaturally motivated person because <laughs> uh, I mean I'm like for you to be able to recognize that in yourself and then say, okay, now I'm just going to dive in to figure out how I can fix my brain and how to make this better. That's really quite impressive, you know, and, and to like internalize that, is that a grace that you received? Do you think it's just part of kind of your natural personality? And do you see now that you're working with other individuals who are pursuing this, are there different things that work for different people to help them navigate or change those habits? Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Um, Well, I think part of it, so I think it's both. I mean, definitely it was a grace from God to help me start pulling and snapping out of that. But also I've always been a pretty driven person and I've always been a very reflective person to think about, you know, to examine myself and my own life pretty deeply. So um, I think that the strategies that I undertook obviously they would work for any person, like, but sometimes you just need a little encouragement or a person outside of you to tell you like, 
hey, this might be what's going on and you might consider doing X, Y, and Z because not everyone is going to be maybe like reading all the scientific journals that I felt like I needed to read in order to be motivated. But, and I also want to say, I really want to say that like, that was just a starting point for me. That was totally not the answer to my problem or the, the root cause of my suffering because, you know, that overwhelm and that burnout and that exhaustion and drudgery that I was feeling like, when I changed a lot of my physical habits, yeah, my body was feeling a lot better. I'd lost a lot of weight. I had more energy. Like I was, you know, emotionally feeling better, but I had not yet addressed that like deeper underlying root cause of why am I so unhappy when God promised me a joyful and abundant life? Why do I feel miserable when I'm trying to live this vocation that he's given me? And It wasn't until I started addressing that question and trying to figure out like the deeper why that that's when things really, really shifted and turned around for me, even though like physically things had changed sooner. Wow. Can you tell me, can I, can I ask what was the deeper why? What did you kind of uncover when you started to ask that question? What was underlying there? Well, I think for me, it, it really came down to just discovering what my vocation really was, like what the parameters of my actual vocation are, like what God was actually asking of me versus what I thought I needed to be doing. And then it was kind of a big turning point epiphany for me when I realized that God's will for each and every human person is on one level universal, like we are all universally called to holiness and to be saints. And so that's the primary purpose for any of our being alive. But, but like much deeper than that too, is that each and every human person has some unique thing that God wants us to do. He's got a unique will for all of our lives. And I think that a lot of my unhappiness with my vocation was stemming from this idea that I was just another Catholic wife and mom. And like that word just was always in my mind. Like you're just like everybody else. You're just another, you know, Catholic wife and mom, except the only difference between you and all these others is that maybe they're all a little bit better at it than you are. You know, like I was, you just really um, feeling like there was nothing special about me. And therefore my relationship with God had no special aspect to it either because I was just another, you know, person to him and he had the same kind of relationship with everyone. So I think a real turning point for me came when I realized that no, actually what God wants is a very personal relationship with each and every person individually. And the way he's going to speak to me is going to be different from the way he talks to anybody else. And these desires and talents and charisms that God has given to me are unique to me and he expects me to use them in his service. And so once I kind of shifted my thinking about, okay, I'm just going to do what I think God wants me to do. And, and I just kind of really laid everything down and was like, what do you, what do you actually want me to do? And when I started being just radically open to answering that call and doing what I felt I was being called to do, that's when really 
everything changed for me. That's when instead of drudgery, life became this great like adventure. It was like, oh, so you actually have things you want me to do. Like, like literally me, me alone that I need to do. And of course, if I am not faithful to that call, like God is God, he'll make sure he gets done what he wants to get done. (laughs) But for, but he's inviting me to be included in this work that he's doing. And like, what a good God we have. He's so good and so generous and so loving. He loves us so much that he wants to scoop us up and embrace us in his plan and use us in his plan. And when we allow ourselves to be used in that plan, like that's when we start living that joyful and abundant life. Wow. So it was almost in the, like in the particular, in the particularity of his love for you. And then also receiving his particular mission for you and for your family that you started to just experience this abundant joy. And that makes so much sense, Jessica, because I think uh, for, for so many of us, when we are struggling or when we feel lost, literally we say, right. I feel a little lost or I feel like I just, you know, a little out of place or something. It's because we've lost our direction. Like we've lost our mission. We've lost, what are we about? What are we working towards? Um, that then, and and then that loses hope probably, right. Like there's that experience of, I just don't really know where I'm headed or why. Um, and then those mundane things that, in an integrated life become a great adventure are simply mundane things that don't matter or that aren't contributing to the overall mission, which I'm sure they're like that analogy just totally resonates with you as an army officer. But um, yeah, I can just see that in so many ways. So I want to know in that transition for you um, where you were really uh, becoming aware of some of those things in your life that needed to change the practical and the bigger question of, you know, what, God, what, what do you want from me? What's your particular, you know, relationship with me? What were some of those behaviors and habits that you needed to adopt for yourself and that your family began to adopt so that you could get to the point where now you're like, man, I just feel like we're thriving. We don't have it all figured out. We're still working on it, but like we're, we're thriving. We're doing well. What were some of those habits that had to change? Well, for me, the very first thing that I did was I completely stopped drinking and I cut all sugar from my diet. Um, and you know, not everyone is going to have the same kind of relationship with alcohol that, you know, I had, I wouldn't say that I was alcoholic, but I definitely, it was a struggle for me. So Mm. for me, like the number one step was to just completely cut that from my life. And then because sugar can wreak such havoc on your brain, that was the next thing to go for me. So I cut those things. And then, um, and then from there, the difference right away, I have to ask, uh, I think, With both of those things. I think with both of those things, I would say I noticed a difference within the first few days. Yeah. So I think within the first few days, I was already thinking more clearly and, you know, um, just having more energy, a lot less kind of uh, depressive sort of feelings. So it was a big, that was a big change for me, especially because I realized that my relationship with both of those things had become more about escapism than anything else. I was constantly trying to escape my life. And 
And and so that really was a very hard step because I had to say, okay, I'm not happy in my life right now. I'm turning to these carnal pleasures, like St. Thomas Aquinas said, to try to escape this joyless existence I'm in. So I thought, well, okay, I have to step out in faith knowing that if I cut these carnal pleasures, I have to trust that God's not going to leave me hanging. And now it's just going to be a life of no joy ever. Like this can't be the source of my joy. Um, So that that was the first, that was the first biggest step, I think, or for me, it was a really big step. And then um, from there, I started focusing on sleeping and exercising. Those were like the next two big things that I tackled. I realized that sleep was like one of the number one most important things I could do for my happiness and my productivity and my health. And so um, that was kind of a family habit. You know, we had always we had always had uh, like a good bedtime routine for our kids, and we we're always making sure our kids were getting enough sleep. But we hadn't done the same thing for ourselves. So my husband and I kind of doubled down on tracking our sleep and then just developing really good bedtime routines and really changing our relationship with sleep or the way we thought about sleep. So instead of thinking like of sleep as being this waste of time, we're like, sleep is something awesome that we get to do for our bodies. We really need it. It's going to make a huge difference. And that was definitely more of like a couple thing, because when you're married to someone who's not sleeping well, it's really hard to sleep well yourself. So we kind of poor husband right now, (laughs) nine months pregnant. And I just feel like I'm keeping him awake all night because I'm flip-flopping and yeah, I'm like, oh man, I'm so sorry, but you're totally right. So I love that you say you did that as a couple. And I'm sure then setting kind of that standard of like a regular bedtime together that builds intimacy because then you have that time to pray together, connect in other ways. You know what I'm saying? So like, I think that's a really (laughs) great thing. My husband just totally rolled his eyes. I know this right now. Uh, We're keeping it real on lead them to life, you know? Yeah. Um, But I, but I love that because that's a habit that you guys were able to establish together to grow in. And it's something that we kind of had to have a conversation about too, because, you know, in a marriage, you can't be like, okay, now I'm going to bed at nine o'clock and I know you go to bed at like 10 30. So see you later. You know, it's uh, kind of like, you do have to kind of, uh, work together to come up with yeah. a time that works for both of you to go to sleep. And yeah. then, yeah, you're I'm actually terrible at that right together. now. So this is a good, this is a good, uh, <laughs> okay. I, Sorry, I just, can you hear me now? I think you cut out. Yeah, I can hear you now. Um, yeah. So that was the Phone next big thing. Out. And then a big thing after that was, yeah, like I said, exercise, like I had to incorporate more movement into my life again. And exercise is one of those great keystone habits that has all these ripple effects in the rest of your life. So when you're exercising, you'll have more energy, you'll sleep better. So it makes that habit of sleep a lot better. It's easier to make healthier food choices when you're exercising. So those were things that I had, I had known obviously for decades but I just needed to kind of re-bring it back in in a really intentional way. Yeah. This time, instead of thinking about it as something that I did just to be physically strong, it was all about my brain. I was like, okay, this is going to help my brain. And so when I thought about, you know, before like lacing up my running shoes, okay, this is going to make me feel happier. That would be the motivation to help me actually get out the door and go do it rather than thinking like, I'm going to be faster. I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to be thinner. Like those things weren't as motivating. Yeah. So how did you get those behaviors to stick? Because that's one of the biggest challenges for me, Jessica, is, is I know those things, right? And I can recognize the importance of regular exercise or good sleeping habits, that kind of thing. And yet when the rubber meets the road, 
I often, I just, I really struggle kind of creating those habits. So how, what are some things that people can do as you're talking about all these really, really incredible things to start building into our lives, to start flourishing and thriving well. And I know you, you would say, give yourself a lot of grace as well. Like there's going to be days where that just doesn't happen or whatever, but how do these things become habits? Well, I think that, you know, I often say God exists outside of time and space, but all the rest of us need a schedule, you know, like we have to have both time and space to do everything. And so I really think that building in really good routines and just, you know, I like the expression decide, then don't decide. So if you're constantly renegotiating with yourself when you're going to do something, you're way less likely to ever do it. So I think it's really important to embrace the fact that God has given us both an intellect and a will. And so we can take a step back and actually think like, okay, when does it make sense for me to actually do these things? What kind of a routine can I develop for myself? When is going to be the easiest time of day to do these things at so that they are getting done consistently? And then, um, you know, two books that were really important for me during this time that really helped me was I first, I read The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, where he talks about um, the habit loop. So how to kind of hack the habit loop. So the habit loop is basically, it's like a four step loop, I guess, or process that they, researchers say, underlines, if not all, a lot of human behavior. And so basically it's the idea that every behavior that you do, it's, there's a cue that makes you think about it. And then there's the craving to do the actual act behavior. And then there's the response, which is the behavior itself. And then there's the reward for that response. And that reinforces the loop and makes you want to keep doing the, when you see the cue again, you're more likely to want to do the same response again. And so that's what they call the habit loop. And so you can kind of take that habit loop and sort of hack it, make it work for you. And one of the authors who's talked a little bit more about this is James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits. He outlined what he calls the four laws of behavior change, which basically takes each of these parts of the habit loop and talks about strategies for how to actually do it. So for Q, he says, make it obvious. Like that's the first law of behavior change. So make your cues obvious so that you see them and you're reminded of them. Um, The second is for craving to make it attractive. So make the thing, the desirable behavior that you want to do, like really attractive to yourself so that you actually want to do it. And then third, for the response, make it easy. So make the habit as easy as it possibly can be so you'll do it. And then finally, for reward, make it satisfying. So make that habit really satisfying. So for me, basically, I literally sat down and thought through okay, these are the habits that I want to develop. These are the routines that will, you know, that I can fit all these habits in. So now let me go through this and think about ways that I can make it, you know, easier, make it more attractive, make it more obvious, make it more rewarding so that I actually am in these habits. And then, yeah. And then you basically, you decide and then you don't decide anymore. So it's like, I never negotiate with myself like, oh, do I have my prayer time right now or not? Because my schedule itself is the cue. Like I have my prayer time now, you know? And of course it varies. Some things happen, you know, you can't always control your schedule, but that's the main way. <laughs> Jessica, you need to be my life coach. <laughs> This is so good. And I, I like, I live and breathe this stuff. Um, 
But I, yeah, I, and I've been honest about this on the podcast before where I feel like I'm not super great at like setting my goals. Like we, we, I joke about this all the time that like Matt and I set annual goals and he's so good at it. And we'll regularly, I mean, he prints them out. He doesn't lose them. Like if it were me in charge of that, I would lose the goals. I would never see them again. I'd be like, oh yeah, I don't really remember what we decided, but he like prints them out and hangs them in our bathroom. And we'll regularly say like, hey, how are you doing with this one? Or how are you doing with this one? And I'm like, gosh, like he's just really great at that. And it's something that I desire to grow in. So you just walking through those four points for me, oh my gosh, like that is so helpful. And so, and it doesn't even have to be big things. You know, I loved your example of prayer, just wanting prayer to become a regular habit or, um, like something that I want to get in the regular habit of is connecting with my girls in particular by asking them if there's anything that I need to reconcile with them, like creating vulnerability with my girls. So how can I get in the habit of regularly doing that every single day? Like I could use that, those four steps that you just walked through and really set, here's how I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it at bedtime, right before our night night prayers. Um, it's rewarding, you know, like all of those things I could just walk through all of that. So, Oh, that's so, so, so helpful. Um, one thing that you said to me when we, when we first met, um, that has really stuck with me now is that, or since then is that you would love to have, I don't have time for that removed from, everyone's vocabulary or something like that. Yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. Well, I think it's really common when people start trying to think about changing anything in their lives to tell themselves, like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. I'll never be able to do that. And it's like this constant refrain that we tell ourselves. And I think it's honestly, it's such a limiting belief, but it also, it makes you feel like you're coming at everything from this place of deprivation. So instead of feeling grateful for the time that you do have and the time that God has given you, you're coming at it from this place of complete deprivation where you're like, I don't have enough time for anything. I don't have enough time to do anything. But then what we'll do is we'll like fall into these more self-destructive habits anyway. So it's like, I don't have time for exercise, but I do have time to scroll my phone or I don't have time to sleep, but I do have time to binge watch Netflix. But so what I really encourage people to say instead of saying to themselves, I don't have time for that is to replace it with the phrase, that's not a priority for me right now, because that's a hundred percent more true. Like if you were to make something a priority, it would happen. Like if you have a doctor's appointment, you're going to make sure you get to that doctor's appointment. It's a priority for you. You're going to get there. But if you can keep your own appointments with yourself in the same way that you keep appointments to other people, it becomes a priority to you then. And so like I use this all the time because I always tell people I, you can't do it all because no one can and no one does do it all. But what you can do is you can do the most important things every day and make sure that you're getting the important things done. And that's what you can do every day. And so that's that's about just prioritization and thinking clearly about what really is important to me and what's really not going to matter. So, you know, 
everything's not perfect. Like my house is not perfect. And there are things about, you know, like I'll walk by a mess and think, oh, I wish that I had. And then I'll like catch myself and be like, no, that's not a priority for me right now. So my priority right now is spending special time with my kids. I don't care that that's a mess right now. Like that's not my priority. And that really is such a, it it really frees you up to not feel like that constant burden and overwhelm and guilt of like, I'm not doing everything. It's like, well, no, I'm not doing everything. I'm doing the things that I've chosen to do because they're priorities to me and all those other things. I don't care right now. You are preaching to my soul, Jessica. This is, it's, I, this is so where I'm at right now, which is just such a gift, you know, like, and, and I'm just your ordinary working mom, you know, but like, I, I love that because it's so freeing, you know, you, you giving me that language to say, no, it's just really not a priority right now is so freeing and, and allows me to not be ashamed for the ways that I feel like I might be failing or not showing up or whatever, but then to also step back and reflect, okay, are my priorities aligned? You know, and I think, um, for a long time, I, I I think I've kind of approached, like, I want to have a hundred percent at work and a hundred percent at home. And literally just this morning, I was talking to my friend on the way in uh, to work and was just sharing, I just am struggling. I feel like I'm running hard right now. Like we've got just a few weeks before babies do. So I'm crunch time getting things done. And, and, and exactly what you're saying. Um, she just said, you know, you only have a hundred percent and sometimes work is going to be 60 and life is going to be 40, but other times it's going to be alternated. So just shifting that mentality for me of it's okay to articulate various priorities or that different priorities are going to come up and, and how you're naming that I think is so helpful. And you do this with, with other, with particularly other women, but with other people as well. So I want you to talk a little bit about a thriving Catholic the blog that you started and the course that you're rolling out because you just have this incredible heart. And I know our listeners can just sense that in you as you're talking about it, like you're just on fire for it and on fire for this mission to help people find what it means to thrive and to be well. So can you tell me a little bit about a thriving Catholic, how it kind of came to be and what you're doing with it now? Sure. So a thriving Catholic, I feel like was definitely the fruit of that time where I just laid everything down before God and was like, okay, what do you want me to do? Like, what are you calling me for? And it's so funny because I feel like he was just waiting for me to ask that question because then it's like the floodgates opened and all of a sudden I had all these ideas and all of this energy and enthusiasm for this project. And it almost came into my mind fully formed. I was like, okay, I really am going to integrate the truths of the Catholic faith with all of these things that I know from all these diverse fields about what makes for a thriving life. So what, you know, nutrition, sleep, exercise, productivity and positive psychology and all of these things that I've been interested in for so many years, I was like, well, I'm going to take all those things and integrate them and find a way to present them through the lens of our Catholic faith, because, you know, there is only one truth. And so if I can just integrate all of that and help people to actually live that thriving life, um, that was my real goal. And so one of the first things I've created has been this course, 
which I've called time to thrive. And so it's kind of a plan words because it's like, now it's time for you to thrive, but it's also like, you need to have time in order yeah. to thrive. And how do you get that time? And so one of the things that was really important for me to do in this course and in this program was to start with those really bigger questions, like the big picture why of like, what is your vocation? What are the parameters of your vocation? And so many people I heard again and again, the same language of, I'm just failing at everything. I feel like I'm failing at everything and I can't get on top of anything and I can't do anything and I don't have enough time. And it's just, you know, this kept coming up again and again when I was talking to people and developing the course. And I was like, okay, how do I address these bigger issues of what is your vocation? Why do you exist? And so let's start with the why. And then from there, I basically walk people through a program of, okay, now that we know what the parameters of your vocation are, what are all the things that you need to do? What are your goals and your obligations and the activities and tasks associated with your vocation and your your primary call to holiness, which we're all called to? And like, what's all the stuff? that you got to do every day. Okay. Now that we know all that stuff, let's take all that stuff and put it into routines and frameworks and schedules that you can actually accomplish. Okay. Now that we've got all of those frameworks, now let's put this into the day-to-day nitty gritty of like how you're going to live out your plan every day. And so I incorporate these elements of the habit loop and principles of productivity and, you know, principles of healthy living and taking care of yourself. So basically I found a way to kind of jam it all into one thing that walks you from beginning to end from point A to point B to create this life that you love so that every day you're jumping out of bed, like, yes, let's do this day. I'm excited about this day. And so I really want to, I really want to help more people feel that because You know, one of my favorite spiritual writers, Father John Fortunic, said that as we're doing the work that we were created to do, we become the saints that we were created to be. So I feel really passionately that this is a work that God has given me to do, first of all. And so that's why I'm so passionate about doing it. But I also feel like I said earlier, God has a unique will for every single human person. And so if I can help someone be guided in that path of just creating these, even if it's just these simple frameworks in their life that are going to help them actually have the time and energy to now be open to God's calling, then that's what I want to do. So that my goal with a thriving Catholic is that basically at the end of the day, people are growing into saints and not just saints, but while they're in the process, they're happier and they're healthier and they're living a more thriving life even now, not just one day in the beatific vision. Yeah. What's the website, Jessica? It's www.athrivingcatholic.com. Okay. Easy enough. So, and we'll name this episode a thriving Catholic. So people will know and they've got it in their brain. Um, but what a beautiful opportunity to just engage and, and to kind of take that next step in, in your own spiritual growth. And I just would love to encourage people to check out your, the stuff that you're doing. I know you said, you know, you're just getting started and what a better time to really get in at, at kind of the ground level as you're developing this. And as it's just this new work that the Lord is doing in you. So I just would love to encourage people. Okay. One more question that I have for you, Jessica. I ask every guest, 
that comes on Lead Into Life if there's a question that you have been pondering. And this really just comes um, from my desire for this to be a place with more questions than answers. I was thinking as you were talking about, um, you had to get to that point of the deeper question, the deeper underlying root of why am I so unhappy? Like you asking that question opened up this huge mission in your life. Um, And so I just always think that those questions, whatever they might be, big or small, can really um, be the catalysts for growth in our own life. So I want to know if there's a question that you have been pondering, and the only rule is that you can't answer your own question. Okay. Yeah. So this is a question that I ask pretty much every morning and every day, but I ask, what is the next thing that God wants me to do? Because I used to ask for the whole plan, like what is the five-year plan that God wants me to follow? And so now my question that I ask daily and sometimes hourly is what is the next thing that God wants me to do? I love it. Even hourly. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it's, it's in the everyday. It's in the details. I love it so much. Well, Jessica, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for just coming on and sharing your passion and your insight. It's just contagious. And, and um, yeah, I'm so, so grateful to have connected with you and I look forward to continuing to connect with you and I'll be sure to put your website um, in the show notes as well. So if individuals want to check that out a little bit more, you can find it in the show notes. Um, friends, I hope that you share this episode with someone that you think would benefit from it. Um, which is literally everyone. It's just, it's just so good and so applicable, um, to all the things. So I, I just would encourage you to share this episode with a friend. Also, Um, I wanted to let listeners know those that are local listeners in, uh, the diocese of Sioux Falls. This is like my first, Jessica, this is my first ever ad that I'm going (laughs) to, that I'm going to offer on, uh, on lead them to life. But if you have benefited from, uh, lead them to life, this is really a, an effort out of my role at Catholic Family Services as the executive director of Catholic Family Services um, in connection with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. And we have an event next week. It's going to be so cool. We're going to light up the Cathedral of St. Joseph. Jessica, if you ever come to Sioux Falls, you need to come see our cathedral. It's the most beautiful place ever. Um, And we are going to light it up with candles just in uh, prayer and community with one another. So April 10th at 8 PM, uh, I know it's a little late if you've got kiddos, but, uh, would love for you to bring your family as well. You can purchase candles at ccfesd.org, but really, uh, this event go, the proceeds of this event go to continue allowing Catholic family services to do the things that we do from counseling and, and, uh, wellness to educational resources, that kind of thing and lead them to life. So things like getting to have Jessica on to share um, her passion for what it means to thrive and to be well and to be, um, yeah, flourishing as, as, uh, as a Catholic. So that's what we're about at Catholic Family Services. So this is the perfect episode to let you know about that event that's going on. Would love to see you there. Jessica, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. It was a joy to have you. Well, you are so welcome and thank you for having me. Absolutely, friends. Okay. Happy Easter and we will see you next week.